Um, I'm just thinking, you know, about being here on Zoom. A lot of the Bible uh, is filled with letters by Paul. Now imagine Paul, who had to write his letters uh, and hope that they got delivered to wherever they were sent. Imagine he had Zoom. It would have just revolutionized the church. Maybe we would have more uh, information about Jesus and about the, the teachings of the early church. <laughs> but today we're still continuing in his, in his style. We're uh, finding ways to get together online. And I just started noticing the rain, so I'm glad that we all chose to stay safe. Now you might notice I'm upstairs in my daughter's room because my family had planned on coming to church tomorrow so they're all downstairs if you hear a yell or a shout of joy uh, hopefully that's what it is that's what you'll be hearing from downstairs but now let us i got my coffee right here uh, i hope you have something uh, to to warm yourself and we're going to turn to the scripture and see what this ancient text might be speaking to us in a modern day. Uh, we're looking at Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, I want you to remember this. This is an interesting part in parentheses. It says, for as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That's the end of our reading. Now, when I'm not reading the Bible, when I'm not praying, when I'm not working, I like to go on YouTube, and I like to watch uh, this chef, you may have heard of him, Gordon Ramsay. I'm a big Gordon Ramsay lover. And I know he may not be the most loving and tender of the chefs watched on TV, but I love how brutally honest he is when he tastes a di dish from another chef and says in his British accent, do you know what salt is? <laughs> he'll taste any dish and pick it apart and tell you what's missing from it. And then he'll tell you how to make it better. And usually without the grace. If I was the chef, I, I would be a little nicer. But it's usually something so simple. When you've read the Bible as many times as us seminarians have to read it, you start to imagine the characters in scripture a bit creatively. And sometimes I can picture Jesus going around to religious places, kind of like a spiritual Gordon Ramsay, pointing out what is missing from the religious experience where he can immediately tell you uh, what's, what's missing from the religious experience. Just like uh, Gordon Ramsay tells those chefs what's missing from their dishes. I mean, Jesus did mention salt in the Gospel of Matthew. You probably all know this verse, you're the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? So I guess there is some connection. <laughs> What Jesus had noticed as he went from town to town is that religion, just like your favorite meal, can lose its flavor. It can lose the very thing that makes it taste good. And a good teacher would have taught his students how to do the same thing, how to go and try out a place of worship 
and see if it has any real flavor. And so today in, in, in our passage, we find Philip the evangelist. Now I had a deacons meeting this week and I was asked what I thought about deacons. And this is how highly I think of them because I wanted to point this out. Philip the evangelist in Acts chapter eight, he was a deacon. Maybe some of us didn't know that. So uh, he was a deacon in the early church and he went off in Samaria to tell the people they, had, they hadn't really heard about Jesus, so he went and, and told them. He went there and he had converted people to Christianity and he began baptizing them in the name of Jesus. We all know what baptism is, right? It's when you get water placed on you. Uh, we saw in the video uh, a picture of a baptism. Some, you know, we call them Baptists. Some people like to get the full dunk experience. But it's this ritual, this sacrament that we do in church to initiate someone into the Christian faith. We typically do this at birth, but these people back then, the Samaritans, they were adults when they first heard about Jesus. And so they decided to do the initiation of baptism. And that was a good thing. But in today's passage, remember I said remember this, we find out that uh, baptism by water wasn't the full experience. Listen again to our scripture. It says, now when the apostles, the, the 12, the first, uh, the first 12, there was 11, and then they added one in Acts, about Acts chapter one or two. So when the apostles at Jerusalem, now Christianity had just stayed where Jesus started. So now they're starting to spread out. When the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John, we all know Peter and John, and the two went down and prayed for them, the Samaritans, that they might receive the Holy Spirit because they had just gotten the water baptism. They had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, did you catch that? They had accepted the word, that is, they accepted that Jesus is the Messiah, and they were baptized in water. But it says that they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I thought that was all you needed, right? I got baptized. What, what else do you want, Reverend Sean? What else does the church want? <laughs> but the apostles knew better, that this was just the first step, because it says, the Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. And so Peter and John went to lay their hands on them. Then they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's never happened here at this church, but I have witnessed many churches that baptize children who come to service. They're all dressed up. They sit in the front row. Uh, they, the family takes on all these vows, but then something strange happens, something mystical. They get baptized and you never see them again. <laughs> I know this has never happened here, but maybe at other churches. Maybe the spirit took them somewhere, but I have this feeling that they went through what we just read today, that they went through the initiation of baptism. They did the, they did the water sacrament, but they didn't get to the next step the second part, where they received the Holy Spirit that comes after. Now, I'm not saying that 
there's only one way to receive the Spirit. And one can find the Spirit in many ways. And sometimes, this happened to me, sometimes the Spirit finds you, knocks on your door. But what baptism represents is one thing. And what baptism of the Holy Spirit represents is a whole other thing. And it's the two things combined, like a recipe, like what a chef would do. That's what Jesus was cooking. He was taking these two ingredients, water baptism and baptism by the Holy Spirit. And combined, they do something magical because these two things initiate a person into the journey of a spiritual life, the type of journey that Jesus went on. And these rituals that we do here at church, they're not just ceremonies, but rather they're rites of passage that encourage one to embark on the spiritual journey of life. This week, I believe we are doing confirmation orientation for our confirmands on Zoom. Uh, these are children who have been baptized and now will take a course that will affirm their baptism. That's what confirmation is. For anybody, if anybody was wondering, uh, because as babies, did you ever see a baby say, oh, I want to get baptized? No, no, we make this decision for them. But the church wants the, the child to go through a process where they can affirm that rite of water baptism. The gist of that process can be summed up with these two questions. Now that you're old enough, do you actually want to be a Christian? And do you want the gift of the Holy Spirit? These are the questions I want to answer today because they are the questions behind both water baptism and baptism by the Holy Spirit. So, do you want to be a Christian? Right? We all should know the, these questions and we should know the answer because we want to lead people to, uh, in the right direction. So after preaching to the Samaritans, Philip had convinced the people that Jesus was the way. But what way was Jesus? Why was what Jesus taught any different than what the Samaritans grew up with? Well, I have a good, great example, actually. In the Gospels, Jesus had actually been to Samaria. You might remember this uh, in John chapter 4. And there he met a woman by a well, and he told her, so we get to see what the teaching of Jesus actually uh, embodied in this conversation that we're going to look at. Uh, Jesus told this Samaritan woman the difference between her religion and what he was teaching. So in John chapter 4, starting in verse 22, it says this. He tells this to the woman at the well. He says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is Jewish and he's coming from, uh, from, from Israel. And he's, going to, he's saying that we know what uh, salvation is. But then he adds this. He says, things are changing. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. So Jesus is explaining, explaining to her the difference between what she might have grown up with and what he's teaching. And he says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now the woman responds, I know, I've heard, I grew up with religion. She said, I know the Messiah is coming. That's who we call Christ. Messiah is also called Christ. And she says, when he comes, then he'll proclaim all things to us. And Jesus says to her, I am he. I'm the one who is speaking to you. For us as Christians, we believe that Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh, God as one of us, that God was no longer a mysterious being floating around on some cloud, but rather Jesus came down and was clearing up all the misunderstandings about religion and God, right? Because there is a lot of misunderstanding about God, a lot of misunderstanding about Jesus. In this exchange with this Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus tells her what she didn't know, that God is not a temple, right? How many of us have grown up thinking God is actually the building? Jesus is saying, that's not where God's address is not uh, 777, God's house. <laughs> uh, he tells her, God is not a graven image. It's not an idol or anything. That God is not sitting on some mountain. That God is not a political figure. He's not a king. He's not a lord. But rather, he says to her, God is a spirit and that he had come to set the record straight. And he says to her, God is looking for spiritual people who will worship in spirit and in truth. Now, what's that mean? Well, in Greek which is the language that the Bible was originally written in, the word spirit is pneuma. Uh, it starts with a P, not an N, <laughs> but it, the word is pneuma. And that translates to English, you'll be surprised by this, as soul or psyche. The word spirit in Greek is translated in English as the word soul or psyche. You can look it up. Your psyche, you know what that is, is your mind. And what Jesus is saying to her is that God himself is a kind of mind. And for you to connect with God, you don't need to look outside of yourself, but rather you need to just look within. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, it says this, once the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the, the teachers, were asking Jesus, where is God? When is he coming? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here he is, or look, there he is. He said, listen to this. He says, in fact, the kingdom of God is within you. That's what he says. So God is a spirit, a psyche, a soul, and he is looking for those kind of spiritual people, people who understand this. So God wants worshipers who worship in spirit, which we just looked at. And then he also says he wants people who worship in truth. And the Greek word for truth is aletheia. And when Jesus says to her, um, 
that you have to worship in spirit and aletheia, in pneuma and aletheia, uh, we have to understand, you know, this is Greek, so we don't, we don't have an exact translation for this word aletheia, um, but the word really means, the best translation is unforgetting. What Jesus is telling her is that if you look within your mind, you will remember where you are really from. You are from the mind of God, and you are an extension of God. And what Jesus was teaching her, and now us, is that we have gotten so caught up in people telling you who God is, that you have forgotten that God is within you. And he was helping her remember by unforgetting, by telling her the truth. Think about it. Here's an example. See, when we think about it now, what are we using? Our psyche. We're using our minds. That is where God is. Do you really, let me ask you a question. Do you really need somebody to tell you the laws of God? Think about this. Uh, you have to love God and love others. Don't steal. Don't covet. You know that. You already know that. But what happens is we forget it when other emotions come in and cloud our minds. What Jesus is saying is you have to worship with a mind that is acting clearly, reasonably, and not irrationally. You see, this is what it means to be a Christian. And Jesus is the Messiah because he showed us how, as human beings, we can do this ourselves. Because he was a human who lived as God would live on earth as it is in heaven. And when we do this, we are Christians and we are acting like Christ. This was what would be presented to those people. This is why they would have raised their hands to get baptized with water. This is what it should mean when we baptize our children. This is what it means to be a Christian. You are one who accepts that God is within you and Christ is the one who has come to teach you how to access and have an authentic spiritual life. That is what baptism means. Baptism by water. I want to be a Christian. And this is, I laid that out. But, and this happens with every, everything, sometimes we can have a lapse of aletheia, of truth. Sometimes we can forget that God is within us. We can forget that God has given us all the tools to live by the Spirit, to live life with the right mind. And so we need help. I remember one time I was taking a test in high school and I forgot how to spell the word use. You ever have a lapse of memory? I thought for some reason it started with a Y and I knew it looked wrong. I was trying to remember. But we all have these kind of fog of memories. <laughs> You, and you know that you know it, right? But you just can't find it in that memory of yours. So when Philip brought the gospel of Jesus to those Samaritans, he gave them the truth. But Peter and John said, we need to go down there because when Philip leaves, they may forget. We need to give them what Jesus gave us. You see, Jesus thought of everything. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, when Jesus was about to return the to the Father, he tells his, this to his disciples. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. 
and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you, help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. You see, the spirit of truth. What kind of worshipers does God want? People who worship in what? Spirit and in truth. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept her. And I, I say her here because the word for truth uh, in, in Greek is feminine. And the word for spirit in Hebrew is also feminine. So Jesus says, the world cannot accept her because it neither sees her nor knows her. But you know her for she lives with you and will be in you. So because the world has forgotten that God is within us, Jesus comes to tell us the truth that all are children of God. And he, so he gives the apostles the Holy Spirit. If God is a father, I, I like to think of the Holy Spirit as the mother it rounds everything off. And listen to what he says she will do for the disciples. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will, listen to this, remind you. What, why do you have to be reminded when you forget something? Do you see how this all ties together? That the Holy Spirit will come and teach you and will, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus tells them that the Holy Spirit will be with them forever. So while we don't have Jesus with us today, guess who we have? That's right, we have the Holy Spirit. My mom used to say, tie your shoelaces, clean your room, do your homework, take out the trash. Right? These are all things I knew I knew I had to do them. But every now and then, you know, conveniently, I would forget. But that is what a good mother does. They remind you of what you need to do. That's what the Holy Spirit does. If baptism is the right by which we acknowledge and commit to live by the teachings of Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the process by which one moves to growing up in their faith, where they start to become so much like Christ that they can feel the Spirit nudging them wherever they go. They can sense the Spirit's presence at work, in their homes, at the supermarket, in school, even on Zoom meetings and on social media. It is an ongoing work that the Spirit is doing where? Inside of us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we do, we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. The Holy Spirit is baptizing us daily, washing us daily, sanctifying us and renewing our minds, our spirits. I wanna bless our confirmation group as they undergo this process of baptism by the Holy Spirit. And I wanna bless our church to never retire from this process. You will not take this body of yours into the next stage of life, but you will take your soul, your pneuma, your mind. May you be reminded every time you come to church, every time you wake up in the morning, as often as you eat your meals, that you are a mind that is an extension of God. And may the light of God's mind shine in yours 
And may that light guide this material body of yours that lives day to day. For as every child must grow and mature in the womb of a mother, so does your mind grow and mature in this body of yours until it too one day is born again into that kingdom we long to dwell back with the Father, back with the Holy Spirit, and back to the Son where we will rest for eternity. Amen.